ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Paris. <laughs> yes. yes. They're in Paris. Is yes. that right? I was going to like start doing some like, da, 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 like some Russian music. And the only Russian uh, music I know is Swan Lake. <laughs> oh, okay. That was Swan Lake. Yeah. Okay. This week <laughs> we are doing the 1956 movie Anastasia before um, Disney decided to bastardize the story. Well, it, it was not Disney that did Anastasia. It was, oh, it wasn't. It was, um, I think the, the people that did uh, like the Lord of the Rings and like the animated, like that famous yeah, animation yeah. guy. Oh, I, you, I, you I just assumed it, it was a Disney. I apologize, Disney. No, I do not believe so. But I could be wrong. Well, this one is a 20th Century Fox joint. <laughs> it is a 20th Century Fox joint. You like when I do that. Uh-huh. It was based on Marcel Moret's play, which is based on the legend of a sole surviving daughter of, the, of Russia's last czar. A suicidal, a suicidal <laughs> amnesia victim is chosen by Russian expatriates to impersonate Grand, not Grand Duchess, but um, Anastasia for the 10 million pounds. Yeah, she was uh, some sort of Duchess. She was a Duchess. She wasn't, maybe she was a Grand Duchess. I don't know. Starring Ingrid Bergman, Yul Brenner, and Helen Hunt. (laughs) No. (laughs) Was not starring Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Hayes. See, you slap some respect on that name when you say Helen Hayes. Mommy might have gotten in the gin a little early today. Okay. Yeah, because you took my job. I have one job on that, and that's to go through the bona fides. But 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 I didn't tell the director and all that. <laughs> that's right. You did it. That's your job. All right. Directed by... Film school stuff. Anatole Litvak. Which uh, is why she's doing it. He also did The Snake Pit. Goodbye again. I thought this was interesting. He also was one of the people responsible for the famous 1940s World War II documentaries called Why We Fight. And since he spoke so many different languages, I believe he used Russian, spoke all these different languages, he filmed the D-Day landings. Hmm. Oh, interesting. The um, for real D-Day landing. Yeah. Not the not the Steven Spielberg one. No, he shot like the like this is how it happened. Look. Wow. Look, watch. This is why we fight. Oh wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, did you say this, that the screenplay was by author Laurent, Lorenz? No, also I didn't. Wrote, I said it was based on Marcel Moret's play. Yes. Well, this, this, that's who wrote the screenplay, Arthur. He also wrote uh, maybe a little movie you've heard of called Rope, Alfred Hitchcock. Ooh. Maybe a little movie you've heard about called um, The Way We Were. 
he also produced a lot of works on Broadway. Maybe a little thing you've heard of called Gypsy. Has I bet Helen Hunt wasn't in that. I don't think she was. Has anyone heard of just a small, tiny musical called West Side Story? Dude, okay. I was going to do the Pink (laughs) Panther trying to be the the Jets and the... (laughs) The Pink Panther. And then you're... (laughs) Oh, people, this is going to be a fantastic show. (laughs) That reminds me of them, you know... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Great. Now, anytime I hear the Pink Panther theme, I'm going to think of a bunch of white people with brown makeup trying to be Puerto Rican doing a jazz dance off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Helen Hayes, who now I'm going to be calling Helen Hunt this whole time. Although it's not Helen Hunt she reminded me of. She reminded me of another H. Holly Hunter. I got a I got a very strong Holly Hunter vibe from Helen Hunt. <laughs> from Helen Hayes. <laughs> I tell you, it's all over now. When we say Helen, I don't care what her last name is, we mean Helen Hayes. We mean Helen Hayes. The, the first the great. The first lady of the American theater. Theater. And she is she comes in like a you gotta say it now wrecking ball she is so good in this cause I kept I said Helen Hayes and I knew the name I knew like the I knew Meryl Streep before there was a Meryl Streep I knew that this woman is is when you think of acting it's Helen Hayes I just had never seen her so I didn't know what she looked like for some reason I only thought she did stage and so every time a female role comes up and it, I know who Ingrid Bergman looks like, but any other female, I'm like, is that Helen Hayes? Is that Helen Hayes? Oh, wow. For the longest time, I thought that the her maiden waiting, the red haired woman was Helen Hayes. Oh, that's too bad. I know. And I was kind of like, huh, I'm I really hope that this isn't. And then as soon as Helen Hayes walks in, I'm like, nope, that's Helen Hayes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, my and my God, she is fantastic. She is so subtle. Oh, yeah. And I, I told you when I was talking to my prior to viewing the film, I worried because I, you know, Helen Hayes, first lady of theater. If you're a theater actress, you have to, you know, you have to make them in the back row feel it. So it's, it's a whole. Not a whole different style of acting, but it's different acting because you got to project these emotions. You got to be big with everything. Right. And you don't just project your voice. You have to project the character, too. Right. And so like the film acting, you know, a lot of times when theater people, they get in front of the camera. It's whoa, whoa, whoa. What you are. It's this is too much. The camera's right there. Less is more people. Yes. Yeah. No. This this is why. This is why Helen Hayes. This is why her name rings out in these streets. It's true. I learned about projecting the character when I played grandma in Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> oh. All right. Did we mention Yule Brenner as well? Yes. This is the first um, thing you've seen him in, correct? Well, I knew he was in The King and I. Yeah. 
And I had I recently... Think, I don't think you've actually watched The King and I. I have not watched actually watched The King and I. But there was... What was I watching? I was watching... I was watching The Magnificent Seven. That's what I was just thinking. Yes. Did you see some of the original? I was Some of the original was on one evening after work. And one, mm-hmm. So while I was like, you know, moseying around, making my dinner and stuff, it was on. And he was in it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Joel Brenner. Yeah. And then in here, and I'm like, Joel Brenner, what are you, Joel Brenner? Because I always knew you from the King and I, so I always thought you are Asian. Because <laughs> he, isn't he the, supposed to be the king of, it's the king of Siam? Siam at the time. But like modern day uh, Thailand? Yeah. So I'm like, whoa. I mean, Hollywood would not cast a guy that wasn't Thai to be in the oh, King and I. Oh, my God. <laughs> you talking about people with brown makeup being Puerto Rican? <laughs> so, so, when, girl. so when, when your brother first shows up in this in the movie, I'm like, man, I'm having a real hard time because I'm like, why is this Asian guy in... <laughs> This being is, Russian. Yeah. Well, even if he were, look at how close they are. Uh, yeah. Asia, Russia. Mm-hmm. Mongolia. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then I had to look up today. Like, oh, what's, like, what's up with you, O'Brenner? Because he made it work for him. He, yeah. he just shaved the bald head and he's like, I'm anyone you want me to be, people. Yeah. Um, what is his nationality? Um, His mother... Was Russian. Now Russia is big, so and he does have dark skin, so he could be from the darker, closer to Mongolia Russians. And then his father was Swiss German and Russian. He just seemed really Russian. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of like now that I now that I see it, now I see it. But you know, my first experience. Kick and I, so I'm just like, yeah. It's really weird. Thanks, Hollywood. Thanks, Hollywood, for yet another myth. However, if he went to DNAAncestry.com, what could be found about his family? Maybe they're like, maybe they will find out, like, you are full on Taiwanese. Thai. Taiwanese. No, Thai. Wouldn't that serve Hollywood right? You'd be like, we were right all along. Suck it, everyone. (laughs) Almost called it Helenwood. (laughs) Helenwood. Okay, so the film starts. Am I ready? Yes. With um, a scroll. You know where you have to read? Which I was always a slow reader. So, yeah, I paused it. Um, In 1917, the Romanov dynasty rulers of Imperial Russia were overthrown during the Russian Revolution. The Tsar, his wife, and his children were imprisoned, and then the whole family was shot in 1918 in the basement of where they were imprisoned. But shortly after that, strange whispers were going on that one of the royal family might have escaped and was still alive. Then a woman appeared who said she was Anastasia. Ta-da! Only she knows the truth, but now we do. 
but we'll we'll get to that at the end. Okay, so it's Paris, nineteen twenty-eight. Ten years later. Ten years later, and it's Russian Easter. Yeah. So there's a bell clanging. There's a church and lots of singing that sounds pretty Russian. So you assume it's a Russian Orthodox church celebrating Easter. Well, yeah. And there's a because the you know when the Bolsheviks came in, there were a lot of people, and they saw like, oh, they just rounded up like the czar and all the family, and so it was a uh, hey, uh, we best get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, there so they fled to other parts mm-hmm. um, of Europe because um, the Bolsheviks did not really tolerate religion at that point. Okay, so so. There's a woman who's, you only see her from the back with a scarf around her head. Looks very much like Aaron did at Adam's graduation. Oh, yeah. I, it's the Jackie Onassis look. But she didn't have her sunglasses on. And she is, like, stumbling around coughing. <laughs> so if you hear coughing from me today, dear listeners, it's me being in character as <laughs> Anastasia. And... Um, she walks by this shop that is obviously Russian, and there's a picture of the imperial family, and she she's touching it gingerly, and then she keeps walking, and there's a man inside the shop, and he sees her, so he starts following her. So uh, he uh, tells a taxi driver to go to, and I didn't catch where it was, um, and tell somebody, I didn't catch who it was, <laughs> That I found her. Well, it turned out that he was supposed to go to this Russian restaurant that was owned by... Yul Brenner? Yul Brenner. And tell Yul Brenner I found her. Yeah, I don't know what Yul Brenner's name in this is. It was something like Bowen or Bodine or something. Yeah, it was something I didn't catch any of the millions of times it was said. I'm just like, he's Yul Brenner. He's Yul Brenner? From now on. Yeah. Uh, so there's an Orthodox Easter parade. And the taxi takes Jewel Brenner to see her. Um, and he, he confronts her and he says, are you the Grand Duchess Anastasia? And she walks off and they follow her and she's wandering, wandering. And she uh, goes to the river. The sign. See, the same. And she's obviously running from the police and she's coughing a lot. She sees homeless people. Gotta turn the page. She's wandering. She looks at her own reflection in the river and she starts to go in. She's like, the, uh, we've had it. This is about it. This is the end of the line. There's nothing here. Sad, but sad, sad. Somebody stops her. Yeah. Yule Brenner. Yeah. And she he has come up with this ridiculous scheme. I got an idea. Three men who are together. And one is a general. The portly guy is a general. No, and Yule, Yule Brenner's the general. The portly guy is the finance guy. I thought he's like the banker. Called... No, the portly guy's the banker. Oh, okay. Okay. And then there's a tall guy who who looks a lot like Albert in um, in Victoria. The he's tall and skinny, and he looks Russian. Ah, yeah. Uh, and so there is Russian. a group of pe- of investors 
who are paying Yul Brenner and these other two guys to find Anastasia or someone who can pass for Anastasia so that they can get their hands on the 10 million pounds that are sitting aside for anyone from the Romanoff royal family. Yeah, because I guess they had an insurance policy in the, at the Church of England. Because I don't know if people know this, but Prince Philip is a direct blood relative of the Romanovs. I did a research paper on Anastasia, and I don't think I ever came upon that information. Well, they are because, one, all of royalty is related Two, yeah, two, it was Queen Victoria that introduced the hemophilia gene into all of the royal blood. Which was what the youngest son had, Alexei. Yeah. He had hemophilia. We'll get and, into that. Later. And in the crown, I believe that they kind of, don't they kind of mention that? Like, wasn't Philip, like, I know Phil, like Philip's people were from Greece, but I thought that they kind of mentioned. Cause, oh, in the crown, probably. Yeah. Just like a loose passing of like, oh, you know what happened to them in Greece and also Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of why they like England was like their uh, their line was kind of like, hey, we need to um, set up something called a constitutional monarchy. I don't know if you've seen what has happened to the Romanovs and other other royal monarchs and such, but might want to. I might just want to consider it if you don't want to end up like them. Dead, dead, dead. <laughs> okay. So there's a meeting of these guys saying there's only 5,000 francs left. They have to find the person who can pass as Anastasia um, in eight days. They have to produce her or the money's cut off. So they already, they're just like, hey... Anastasia's dead, but there are there are enough rumors. There's enough fake news out here that some people are believing this, and it, all we have to do is find somebody to play the part and convince them enough, and we'll get ten million dollars. That's the whole scheme. Ten million right? pounds, which is even better than dollars. And it, it's it's nineteen twenty eight ten million pounds. Yeah. So um, the tall dude has has done a painting of of her exact proportions. Yeah, they knew exactly her measurements. So. Although, um, did he, because if she, so, I mean, Anastasia was born in 1900, I believe. So she would have been 18. 18 at the time of the death and, and 28 at the time of this movie. Okay, Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> Yeah, they did feel that she was too old to play the part, but who else was going to? I did too, but I let it slide because I was like, she is Ingrid Bergman. And, I mean, um, 10 years, but 10 years of hard living. Oh, yeah. I mean, she witnessed her whole family murdered. She had to go into Romania to escape. I mean, look at a map and just see how far she had to go. And then... She, she was eventually pulled out of a river because she had tried to kill herself. She was in an insane asylum because she was telling people she was Anastasia. And they went, well, you're crazy. You cray cray. So she, she'd had a hard 10 years. Yeah. Rode hard and put away wet. <laughs> so there were rumors of an escape. And he and uh, Yul Brenner is saying 
Uh, one year ago, you came and you. Oh, no, no. This is part of the. I'm sorry. This was part of the um, the meeting um, that they needed more money to find her. But oh, they okay. have eight days to produce her or they're all going to go to prison for fraud. Oh, yeesh. The gulag. And they had had several women who they had tried to pass off as Anastasia. Yeah, they even mentioned, didn't they mention a redhead? Yeah. Ugh, that's, that's really pulling. Well, this last woman is the newest one to try and get money, but she has amnesia. And she says doctors don't help her. So they bring her to this little basement room. They're hideout. Um, and they, they say, walk for us. Watch her walk. And she doesn't walk like a duchess. She walks like somebody who's been, you know, walking from Russia <laughs> to Paris. She walks like somebody with the weight of the entire world on her shoulders. And she sees the stone walls and she freaks out. Stone walls. Oh, she stone gets, walls. She's got PTSD. It, but somebody says, you're examining her as if she were the real Anastasia. And Yul Brenner goes, there is no real Anastasia. She was shot 10 years ago. We just need someone who resembles her enough that we can fool the people who need to sign the papers that say she is Anastasia. Mm, yeah, Yul Brenner is being a, he's being a Russian general. Yeah, he's a hard ass, but he wants the money. And so she's going, it's a seller. Do you mean to shoot me? Yeah, it's weird because she starts saying all of these things where it kind of does make sense if she's Anastasia. Because <laughs> you do meet, like, she freaks out over the cellar wall r real hardcore. And yeah. you're watching it going, well, I mean, if it, this is the real Anastasia, she could be having a flashback right now to when her whole last family time she was, was shot. In the cellar, my whole family got shot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, somebody says, well, some say she did not die. Oh, well, actually, Anastasia says that. I'm going to call her Anastasia now. It's up in the air. Yul Brenner says he knows it's not Anastasia. She just, she has amnesia. She doesn't know if she's Anastasia or not. And he says so that works perfect for us guys, because look, all of the people, if it's Anastasia, everybody's going to have all these questions for her and they're going to try to stump her. But if she has an amnesia, anesthesia, no, amnesia, Anastasia, amnesia, that's hard. There's too many Anna words in this podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So if she has amnesia, it works perfectly for Anastasia because... She can't remember anything. And wouldn't it seem realistic? And he's yeah. like, yeah. And they're like, we let's lean into this, people. Let's yeah. lean into this. So she stands against the drawing and she fits. She's the right height. Now, I don't know that you could go by proportions at that point. Yeah, they made know? her waist look real tiny in that little painting. And it wasn't even a paint. <laughs> the guy just drew a shadow. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's rather ominous. At this point, the general calls her highness, and she goes, don't call me that. And he goes, but you told the nuns at the asylum you were the Grand Duchess. And um, oh, you they heard say, about let that. us see the scars. Evidently, she has scars on her hands, but she doesn't remember how she got that. She has, wait, she has two scars on each hand and a graze on her forehead, as if she had a bullet wound. It went through her head, her hands protecting her, and grazed her head. 
and then she just pretended to be dead. It. I was kind of like, whoa, really? That is kind of, I mean, that's some evidence right there. Yeah. Okay. And so the, um, the general says, who are you? And she says, I don't know. But Yul Brenner goes, okay, we have three things going for us. She resembles the real Anastasia because he was with Tsar Nicholas. Uh, Yul Brenner was in some capacity. So he had met the real Anastasia. Mm-hmm. She's smart and she has no identity. That's going to, you know, people are going to come back and, and have Googled her and said, no, no, she's not Anastasia. She's so-and-so from town, you know, such, such and, and such. such. <sighs> so they go, we have eight days. And she says she has no part of this. Is this where she does my favorite? <laughs> I think that is, is this when she has her crazy reaction? Ingrid Bergman? Maybe. Because, do you know what I'm talking about? No. I, wa- I rewound it and watched this five times because I was laughing so hard. At one point when she's in the basement, they're talking about something and trying to convince her. And she's like, no. <laughs> she goes from crying real hard to this r- weird maniacal laugh back to crying again. <laughs> Yeah, that's I was like, what the hell? What was that? Oh, it's great. Just watch it over and over again. It should be a gif or something. So it should be. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Brenner says, I'll make you into her. And she goes, I'm leaving. Never mind. And he goes, you don't have any papers. The police are going to pick you up. And then she, she says she remembers telling a story of a train blowing up. She says, I don't always remember. It comes and goes. <laughs> Yo, Brenner's like, forget that story. Yeah, yeah no, that doesn't work goes, in our favor. Oh, that's how you got those scars. Never mind. Never tell that story again. Right. Yul Brenner says, you want to know who you are? You want to know who your family is? I'll do it all. It's you on your father's. Um, and then he, he shows pictures because he has to start um, teaching her teaching her about Anastasia. So he shows a picture and she, he goes, it's you on your father's boat. And she says, Oh, the standard. And he's like, Whoa, how do you know the name of the boat? And she goes, it's in the picture. And he's like, Oh, she's a fast learner. So they practice the story of the shooting and of her escape. And they're practicing, practicing, and they have three days left. And she has to practice walking with books on her head. Exactly. And she's not a a real willing pupil. Oh, she's very tired. She's always tired. She's always and she has <laughs> to cough always, a lot. Yeah, always coughing. Well, now they have three days left to get her ready. And so the general goes and asks for more time. And they go, nope, you've had your time. Three days. Uh, if you don't produce Anastasia, you're going to jail. So Yul Brenner says, well, we can say the Imperial Highness is too weak to be seen by more than six members of the committee. So there's a lady in waiting to Helen Hayes. 
Helen Hayes was the sister of Nicholas. No, Helen Hayes was the grandma. Grandma. I think she was grandma the mother. Grandma Nicholas. I think she was Nicholas's mother. Okay. And there is a lady in waiting to grandma. Yes. And. But that's not the lady in waiting that's in, that comes in and sees that's her. That's right. The lady right. in waiting was the lady in waiting to the Zarina. The Zarina. Alexandra. So, so, so that has worked out. They just have six people come and view her. But wait, I have a question. What's a lady in waiting? Um, like the the ladies who take it, like in in the Crown in, in Victoria, they're the ones who dress her and undress her. Oh. take off like it's they attend to her every need they're like her free slaves they're her free slaves oh um btw there's no black people or any people of color in this film the closest you're gonna get is your brenner right so there was so one of the people who comes into viewer was a lady in waiting for her mother mm-hmm. and and uh, Anastasia says, ah, I remember you. I used to report ladies who wore lipstick. Oh, and wait, wait, wait. It was kind of cool what she, because this guy comes up to her and he's just staring at her and she's, you know, on the couch sick with blankets on her. And she just looks at the guy and says, it, you know, it's rude to stare. And I think then somebody else is going to ask her a question and she just shuts him down. She's like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to discuss anything. Only, and then she looks over the crowd, and she's like, you, 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 you look familiar. Yes, you, come here. And that's the lady in waiting. And the lady in waiting, she comes over, and she's very cynical, because she's been through this rigmarole before with other people who have, imposters who have claimed to be Anastasia. So she's she's not impressed by this at all. And she, and she Anastasia calls her by her name, and she says, says, well, anybody can know my name. It's like on public record that I was the Tsarina's lady-in-waiting. Okay, whatever. And then. And then she goes, oh, but what did my mama used to call you? Nini. Nini. And, oh, my God, the lady-in-waiting tumbles and, and starts crying. Because who could know that? except for Anastasia. Mm. Now, at this point, I want to put in the fact that it wasn't just Anastasia that people um, said they were. They were. Uh, they also claimed to be Alexi, the, uh, the brother, and her other sisters, Tatiana. The, the sick Marie, boy with Olga. the hemophilia? They thought that he survived a gunshot wound? Yeah. They must not. Oh, but you know what? Nobody knew that he had hemophilia. Oh, mm, that was a secret. Well, that would have shown a weakness because he would have been next in line. He was the yeah. And he I mean, they had all daughters and it was it was getting very, um, you know, the heat was on because they needed another heir because, of course, the woman, they were nothing. So they were like, we need a male. And they had a little Alexi and they were so happy until he got a bruise and almost died. And they found yeah. out that he had hemophilia and then they, it was a very hush hush kept quiet. And then that's how we got Rasputin. And basically it's the fall of the whole Western civilization. 
<laughs> All because the little boy was hemophiliac. Thank you, Victoria. Yes. Well, Yul Brenner uh, was mad at her for doing the whole Nini thing because he hadn't prompted her to do that. She went off script. Oh. What, what? This is not improv. <laughs> you are not Sarah Palin. You are yeah, not even Helen Hayes. Who do you think you are, Helen Hayes? <laughs> Yul Brenner wanted her only to say what he had prompted her to say. Yul Brenner is very... Controlling. He's very controlling. He doesn't lift his hand to her ever, but it is implied. It is implied, and he is scary. He is scary. So they have to go through. Now she has passed that test. Now they have to, you know, work on her some more because there are more people that she they have to get signatures of people to verify that she truly is Anastasia. So they have a whole next round of learning. And um, Anastasia used to play the piano. And um, this one is can do it a little bit, but she says, you know, ever since the 10 years of walking from <laughs> Russia to Paris, her fingers, there's arthritis. She can't do it like she used to. Yul Brenner goes, we can go with that. <laughs> That's I like that. I like that. That works. That works. But Yul Brenner plays a song on the guitar and he, sings. It looked like he was really he, playing. He looked like he was really playing because he was stretching that pinky to hit those notes. And I'm like, yeah, Yul Brenner cool. was playing. I, I was kind of like, hmm, hello, Mr. Brenner. Yeah, I know. That was a... Mm. An mm moment. So then they have dancing. And he, she wants to rest because <laughs> she's still sick. And he doesn't let her rest. There's no time to rest. Did, at this point, didn't it remind... Well, this really did remind me of The King and I. Because I was... Oh, when he's dancing with Yeah. Him? And then this whole other thing. I haven't seen this movie. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. My Fair Lady. I mean, isn't this what My Fair Lady is about? Yeah. Well, not pretending like uh, My Fair Lady is indeed a grand duchess, but making um, a street urchin into a lady. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this pretty yeah. much is My Fair Lady with a historical bent to it. Uh, a la Pretty Woman. Okay, so then they start the waltz. And she goes, this reminds me of my first ball, but I don't remember my first love. Then he finally lets her go to bed. She has a horrible nightmare. She wakes up screaming. She runs to the piano and she does this whole scene. I don't know what is real. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I remember and what you told me. And the old printer comes out of his room and goes, just stop it and go back to bed. Yeah. What's all this? Stop that noise. And he was pretty strict about it. And she, she turns around and goes, my father was very strict. And she goes back to bed. And then they have some more. They have a, 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 a grand hall where more people are. And who shows up but Mrs. Howell? Who's Mrs. Howell? From Gilligan's Island. Oh, I missed that. Mm-hmm. The rich, the rich woman. Wait, we had Mr. Howell on... Last week. Um... Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, Jim Backus last week. We had Mrs. Howell this week. Well, I'll be doggone. 
And um, she has to convince several levels of people. Um, and then there's somebody named Your Excellency. Oh, doesn't she have to? There's like 50 people that need to sign. And they make yeah. the whole speech because she's, she's sitting in this chair. And um, there's it's a party. So there's all these people that are there. And they need signatures. And there's, so there's 50 people in attendance. And they... Once they go and have their meet and greet and they sit down, if they're convinced, then they have to go sign something. And there's one old, old man that they're calling Excellency. And he wants to leave because he's been through this before. And he's got a bad case of the gout. So his foot is hurting. He is miserable and he just wants to leave. But Mrs. Howell convinces him to go to her. And... He says, I've noticed a resemblance, and she is an excellent actress. Yeah, he does give a nice speech while throwing immense shade, but then also being like, I don't mean to be throwing as much shade as I'm throwing right now. I'm in pain. Yeah, he's like, I'm in pain. Look, you are a fantastic actress, and I don't mean that like as an insult. Right. You're really good, you know. Props to you for going all in on this, but nevertheless. At which point, uh, the little stout guy lights a cigarette and and Anastasia says, how dare you smoke in my presence without my permission? At which point, old dude goes, stops in his tracks and turns on his sore heel. We got to go to the Dowager Empress. Because he thinks, dang, this is the real deal. Wow, yeah. So she's back in her room. She's packing up. Yeah, because only 18, though, of the 51 people believed that. Huh? They might have believed, but the only 18 signed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not that's not good. That's like that doesn't look good for them. No. And she's going, I can't go through this anymore. I don't know what's real. I don't know what you're telling me is real. I just don't know. (laughs) Why can't you let me believe? And then she goes, Grandmama will never see me. And Yul Brenner goes, I'll get you in to see her. You want your money. If you want to leave, I'm going to let you. But, and then he goes into some long thing about why. She should stay because he's going to get her in to see Grandmama. Yeah, I, I don't know. All basically, all Yul Brenner's ever doing is talking this woman into this. This woman talking, with, talking, talking. There's a lot of talk. She's got a well. It's based on a play, and you can totally tell that because there isn't a whole bunch of camera moves and shots. It's that's true. See, I hadn't even noticed that because I was so into the story. Yeah. Well, Grandmama lives in Copenhagen. She got out of Dodge. And uh, on the train to Copenhagen, there's more studying. Now, Grandmama has not agreed to see them, but Yul Brenner's taken her to Copenhagen because uh, he's got, I mean, he's I'm out. Yul Brenner. So her visa is good for 14 days. And it's made out to someone named Anna Anderson. So at the hotel, Yul Brenner gets a telegram that says the Empress refuses to see you. 
Now, there's a different lady-in-waiting. This lady-in-waiting is to the empress herself. And she knows Jules Brenner. And, and she is an older woman who is quite a flirt. She has Lucy Ricardo red hair. Yes, it's very red. You thought that was Helen Hayes? Well, uh, at first I thought Mrs. Howell was Helen Hayes. Oh. I mean, I was just going, I'm like, who is, I, she got third billing. She's got to, like, be somebody. And then I'm like, man, well, that's a small part. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to little, I was a little underwhelmed. So I'm like, that's not Helen Hayes. And then we get to this red-headed woman. Seriously? <laughs> okay. So this lady in waiting is named Baroness somebody. And she meets with, with Yul Brenner. And she says, the Empress will never see you. But she does go out for Russian-themed things. And this week, the ballet is doing a Russian ballet. So she will be at the Royal Theater. So the Empress arrives. She has a box across from where Anastasia and Yul Brenner are. But the Empress stays behind a curtain. She, you know, she's not going to be seen by the common folk. At which point I'm like, ah, the Empress must be Helen Hayes. There you go. So there's an intermission. During the intermission, um, the Baroness introduces Yul Brenner to the nephew of the Empress. Who is Prince now, Paul, which I think is funny because that was there's a rapper named Prince Paul. Like oh, that's funny. I didn't know. So I was like, Prince Paul's in this. And um, but actually, uh, Anastasia is talking to Prince Paul and um, they're talking about they knew each other as children. So while they're talking, Yul Brenner goes directly to the Empress. Like what? Really? You can get right to her? And uh, the Empress says to him, I've already been introduced to false grandchildren. I want my memories. This, uh, and he goes, but this woman asks only to see you. And she goes, go away. Because her heart has been broken so many times. Because she was really holding on to hope that one of her grandchildren had survived. Only to have her heart broken over and over again. And if you've seen Helen... Uh, hey, yeah, uh, broken heart. You would be crying too. Oh, it's just it's just etched on her face. It's the second half of the ballet, and she said to Yul Brenner, "You know, I liked him more than I thought I would." And he says, "I want him to like you more than he thought he would." Oh, he is a harsh man. Well. The empress during the ballet lifts the curtain back and through her opera glasses, which I have a pair of opera glasses, looks at Anastasia. But then she lets the curtain go back. So you have no idea what she's thinking. Well, back in their hotel room, uh, Yul Brenner tells her, you did well tonight. And she goes, the empress didn't want to see me. <laughs> and then there are fireworks outside. Uh, there's, oh, but Anastasia has a date with Prince Paul. Oh, yeah, because wasn't, wasn't Prince Paul, like, her first waltz it, it, or something? Actually, we find out later, or maybe now, was her fiancé. 
Oh. Before she was killed. You know, because of the inbreeding thing. Yeah, because I was like, wait, Prince Paul, like, Helen Hayes, Prince Paul, that's his nephew. So they're cousins. Okay. But that's how all this happened. That's why we needed a Diana to bring some looks back to the family. Imagine what Meghan Markle's gonna do. Those are gonna be some. Ooh, that or I don't know though. That red hair can go. That it gets very tricky. Go both ways. It can. It can go. It can go horribly wrong. It can. But but we're gonna hope for the best. Well. I, it's my first time thinking that. Okay, Anastasia is on a date with Prince Paul, and she's having champagne, and she is feeling no pain. Nah. She is slurring her words, and she's going, we're not going to talk about the whole Anastasia thing. I just want to have a good time. And Yul Brynner sees this, and he's like, no, this is not scripted. No, no, no. And he he gets her, and she's in trouble. Oh, he takes her away. He's a little jealous. He was a touch jealous. He was very sulky. Um, and they have to remember her visa expires in three days. Eye on the prize, Anastasia. And she's saying, you push too hard. I couldn't even have one night of champagne fun. Well, the next day, the Dowager Empress is out for a drive in her carriage and she comes in, and she uh, Prince Paul is there to meet her. Well, um, we don't know what happened in that meeting, but he comes out, and he's not happy. And uh, her lady-in-waiting goes in, and he and the Dowager Empress says how easily he swallowed what she poured. She's a fraud. She must be. At what hotel is she staying? Well. The Baroness and the Dowager Empress decide to just go to that hotel without any prompting and pay a visit. Crickets. And? And um, so uh, Yule tells her she's coming up and and, and Anastasia's going to need more time. I I need to put myself together. And the Empress says, bring her in. So she goes in and Anastasia says, don't you recognize me? Grandmama. If you don't know me, do you not know me? And Helen Hayes says, I believe you are lonely and you want love. But I am not interested in the tricks you have learned. And Anastasia says, father said you were hard. You and mother were always arguing. You were arguing over that emerald necklace, I remember. She's like, what? And uh, and then she says something about Figgy. And Helen Hayes looks. She goes, how do you know that name? Figgy is the name that Helen Hayes used to call Zarina. And she's hugging Grandmama's legs. And she says, Grandmama, you have changed so little. And she starts coughing, and Helen Hayes goes, oh, are you still ill? And she goes, no, no, I am well, but I'm coughing because I'm frightened. I always cough like this when I am frightened. Oh. 
Helen Hayes, I have goosebumps right now telling you. Hell, the Helen oh. Hayes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, says. She says everything you, with her looks. You don't when even. When you were a little girl, you coughed when you were frightened. I thought you were gone, but you have come back. But if it's not you, don't ever tell me. She can't stand to have her heart broken again. And we cut to the Russian restaurant where there is singing and Yul Brenner is playing his guitar. Which, well, by the way, this Russian restaurant, when they serve meat, they serve it on swords. Like the um, Peruvian steakhouse? Oh, like the Brazilian steakhouse. Brazilian steakhouse. Except these seem like bigger swords. They're like shish kebabs on these huge swords. Because if you you complain about your food, you're going to get run through. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, is this when Yul Brenner... So Yul Brenner's on this kind of like the stage area, and he's Mm -hmm. playing guitar, and the woman's singing, and then... The the little the short little round guy like he gets a message and then he's like oh I gotta go tell I gotta go tell the general and then he just walks up onto like to the area where your Brenner's just playing the guitar and puts it back to the audience to whisper to him yeah oh uh, I was like the he couldn't wait two minutes no he <laughs> couldn't wait. They're go- they gotta have a press conference. The, the the Dowager Empress says she is Anastasia. I just thought it was funny how he just walked up in the middle of it and just put his back to everybody and was like, oh, hey. Yeah, this means he's getting paid and not going to prison. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. So it's the day of the press conference. And the Imperial Highness, who is Anastasia, is there with the press you know, the press who, who spreads fake news. And um, the uh, Yul Brenner says, be brief with your questions because, you know, she's still recovering from walking from Russia to Paris. <laughs> and so a uh, man asks if you were ever in Romania. Yeah, she and says, yeah, that's where I crossed the border. She said, yes. It's where I went after, you know, after I was piled in a wagon with the corpses of my family. You know, after the incident. I escaped. Uh, and he goes, yeah, well, I took you home. And and your name isn't Anastasia. Your name is Anna Couric. And he's like, yeah. And everybody's like, ooh, is it? She's like, yeah, my name is. I did go by Anna Couric. Um, I don't know if you remember what I just said about the incident where people killed my entire family, including me. I really quickly swapped out my name and went by a different one. Yeah. yeah. What's your problem? Who among and, you? And he goes, well, I, re- I remember that you told me you had wounds from a train explosion. Yeah, maybe I didn't want you to know that I was Anastasia. Did you ever think about that? So I wrote the word doubt. Yeah, because she didn't really say what I said. So then there's Yul Brenner and Anastasia Banter. 
and it, which it um, includes, are you really going to marry him because you were engaged to him when you were 18? That was 10 years ago. You know, he's only in it for the money, like Yul Brenner wasn't. Yeah. And it's and, obvious he's now jealous of Paul. And he didn't, Prince Paul didn't really seem like he had been too torn up over Anastasia's death. Unless I no, missed that he, scene. He'd been definitely seeing plenty of other women. And that's what Yul Brenner and Paul had in common. Womanizers. Ah. So, uh, Yul Brenner says to her, you've changed. It's like, yeah, so, you made me change. We, <laughs> we, we went through a whole training montage where you're doing nothing but berating me and making me change. So now it's the reception. During the reception, Helen Hayes is supposed to come out and announce, yes, she's my granddaughter, Anastasia. <coughs> At which point, Hello, Anastasia, Anastasia. because, you know, of the incident. Mm-hmm. So she's dancing with Prince Paul, and Yul Brenner's staring at nobody stares like Yul Brenner. Oh, it's more of a scowl. He does like what I do, what I can do, what my eyebrows go, and there's those lines. Except his is always like that. He always it's has those, folks. those lines. So Prince Paul goes, "Let's announce our engagement." And um, then I guess that. Anna is talking to Yul Brenner when he when she, when he goes. Well, Prince Paul is going to announce his engagement to Anna Korig because he wants no parts of that. He only wants Anastasia and the oh. ten million pounds. I missed that. So he wasn't going to admit that he was marrying Anastasia. He was saying he's marrying Anna Korig. No, Yul Brenner was saying that. What's he gonna What's he gonna announce his his engagement to Anna Curry? Oh, I don't think so. So Yul Brenner goes to the Dowager Empress, and he tells her, "I'm leaving now." And she goes before the unveiling. I mean, you created all of this. This is your grand moment. You're responsible. And she's called out to do something, and she goes, "You stay here. You wait for me. We have more to talk about." Well, Anastasia arrives, and the Dowager Empress wants to talk to her granddaughter. So she says, are you sure about Paul? You don't want to marry Paul. You want to marry somebody else. Because the Dowager Empress not only has finally found her granddaughter, but she also sees her granddaughter doesn't love Paul. Mm-hmm. She loves you, old Brenner. But, but... Anastasia says, you've given me what no one else could. You've given me myself. I don't care about the money. I care about you gave me my identity. So she goes, Anastasia, go put on your crown. And the empress (laughs) is crying. So we proceed and they say, where is Paul? And he arrives. But where is Anastasia? Well, she's gone. And the emperor says, is she in the green room? Because that's where she had left Jewel Brenner. And they said, the green room is empty. And Dowager Empress gets a smile on her face. They are both gone? And they say, yes. And so the Dowager Empress goes. And so they're going, well, what are we going to do? Anastasia's gone. And the Dowager Empress says, 
I will speak to the people at the reception. The play is over. I will tell them to go home. Yeah. The end. It was weird because I kind of figured that the empress, the dowager, was like, oh, she's not really Anastasia. But she won't tell me. And so she's just going to go live. I felt, because it leaves you going, well, what happened? I felt like maybe she realized she wasn't Anastasia or maybe she realized all she really needed was her identity. She didn't need that 10 million pounds and she was going to go and be happy. And that's what she wanted her more than announcing that she was Anastasia, because if she were Anastasia, she was not going to be able to live uh, a life that she wanted to live. She wasn't going to be able to marry Yul Brenner. Ah. She'd be in the public eye forever. Always questioned, always hounded. Well. Well, at the time of the filming, they didn't know that the person who said she was Anna Anderson, who claimed to be Anastasia in real life, was still alive in Germany. Yeah, and they they were like, somebody told them, guys, psst, by the way, um, Anna Anderson is still alive and she's in Germany. Yeah, and you're using her name in this film without permission. So, and they said, all right, we will get on a plane and we will ask to use her name. Now, they did have Anna Anderson. See, when I did my research on this back in 1968, 69 time frame, you still didn't know. You didn't know if Anna Anderson was indeed Anastasia. Anna Anderson never met the Dowager Princess, Empress, but she did meet with her daughters. So um, she did meet with Anastasia's aunts. And they said, yeah, there was something off about her. But you didn't know. And Anna Anderson's handwriting, when um, experts looked at it, was almost identical to Anastasia's. So there were all these doubts. You weren't sure. Um, But then in 1991, the remains of the royal family were found. Well, they it wasn't that they were found. It was that when the communists were in power, they weren't going to tell anyone where they were. So it was just a secret. But only nine of the 11 people who had been assassinated were found. Oh. So there were still two possible missing. Um, um, Anastasia and Alexa, uh, we had thought maybe Alexei had made it. Again, he was hemophiliac. But his remains were missing as well as uh, the sister Marie. Anastasia's remains were found based on DNA. So in 1991, it was established. See, that was way after I'd done my research. This was the first I knew of this because I still held out hope that maybe it was in state. <laughs> um, in 2007, the, uh, they found remains of two other family members, and they were pretty sure those were the remains of Alexi and Marie, just buried in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what I have about 
the uh, the real Anastasia. Well, and then in Anna Anderson, they did a DNA test from a lock of her hair, and she had no. She was not related at all to any of the Romanovs. Based on um, samples from Prince Philip, who is directly yes. from the Romanov family. And right. so. then whoever they said, like there's some German name or somebody, and they did DNA on one of those descendants and it matched. So they were like, oh, she was, she was this person, blah, blah, blah. Like, they know who Anna Anderson is now. Oh, okay. Uh, definitely not a member no. of the Romanovs. Not at all. See? Well, I had interviewed, my, my mother took art classes from a Russian artist mm-hmm. in Blue Ash, Ohio. And I had interviewed him in 1968-69. And he said he really didn't see how anyone could have survived. I mean, the, the research I did said, well, she could have been um, hit, but not killed. And then all the bodies were dumped on top of her. And then, you know, they went and buried them in shallow graves and she could have dug her way out. But he said, there's no way yeah. that they would have left someone. They like shot them in the head. Like. Yeah. Each, yeah, and <laughs> they bayoneted were, it them and everything. Yeah, it wasn't it like wasn't it wasn't all well, yeah. a firing squad and like ah, everybody's blindfolded. We don't know who, like they no. they took them out. Yeah, so that was his feeling, and and still I was holding out hope that maybe one of them had gotten out, but but the DNA shows that didn't happen. It was a fascinating story, though. It was. And I was surprised when I first when I first hit play on the movie, because I'm like, 1956? And this movie is about Anastasia, and Anastasia's Russian, but wasn't there the blacklist going on and, and all of this? And then I was like, wait a second, though. No, this movie is about the czar and stuff. So that that was considered like the good Russia. It wasn't right. about the communists. Right. So I was like, oh, okay. But blacklisting had been going on with Ingrid Bergman. She was blacklisted because she had an affair with her director, Roberto Rossellini, and had a child out of wedlock with him. And so Hollywood would not hire her. Yeah, this was her comeback vehicle. It was. But she did not attend the Academy Awards, for which she won... Because of the blacklisting, Cary Grant accepted it for her. She won and she beat out in the Best Actress, Carol, I don't know if it's Baker, Baker, and I forgot the R, for Baby Doll. Baker. Carol for what? Baby Doll. I don't know that. Uh, Catherine Hepburn for The Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Nancy Kelly for The Bad Seed. And Deborah Kerr for The King and I. Well, Hello. And you know who won Best Actor that year? I'm going to go Yule Brenner for The King and I. He did indeed. So was he up for just The King and I or was he up for both? No, he was up for just The King and I. And I, I don't I know that James Dean was also nominated for Giant. And I don't know who else was nominated because I thought that was interesting. I'm like, James Dean, we just did James Dean last week. 
We did. And it was also nominated for original music score. Which was very Russian. Yes. Sort of like the Americans. Yes. Thing. Um, it was also a comeback for Helen Hayes. How, um, because she... Well, it was interesting with Helen Hayes. She had... She didn't. She had a lack of screen glamour, and that was what's kind of people think stopped her from being a huge film star. Really? She didn't really get the film roles and, and the the film hype, and so in her career, she she had a few roles, and she was just like, you know what, forget this. I'm going back to the Great White Way. I'm just gonna own Broadway. And in fact, though, she did win an Oscar because she is an egot. Helen Hayes, EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Oh, so it's not what like she won her Oscar for. I don't know. She won it. She won the Oscar early on, maybe like in the 30s or 40s for something. We'll have to look that up. But yeah, she just did. She just didn't become a big time film star, so she just went off and did Broadway and stuff. And then her daughter died of polio. And her, the husband that she was married to at the time, he had failing health. So she kind of stepped away from a, a bunch of acting stuff to, you know, deal with that. And, yeah, she came back to do this movie. I just felt like she was such a presence on film. Oh, she was fantastic. She was a small woman, small in stature. That's why she reminded me of Helen. Of, of no, Holly yeah. Hunter. Holly Hunter. H A J H H. Yeah. Not so much Helen Hunt. Not so much Helen Hunt. Wow. So you did some research on Rasputin. Rasputin was. I didn't do research. I just listened to a podcast. It's a podcast. Make it sound good, girl. Make it sound good. Well, they were a long podcast, and I listened to them. Um, this podcast last podcast on the left. That's what it's called, and they did a series on. Rasputin and he Rasputin was there's a whole lot of stories and myths around him because for the Romanovs he was this mysterious figure that came in and people thought that he was magical and had like had dark magic going on and he obviously um he they people felt like he was manipulating the czar and czarina because he was just always around and he just had this presence to him of like what like what the fuck is this guy like what who is he and why are you listening to him huh oh man yeah it is kind of strange that you can extrapolate a lot of because he he was a peasant and he pretty much just rose up to these ranks just by being Rasputin. He, yeah. his whole, if you look at pictures of him and his whole chic and, and what he wore and how he wore everything, he he did it on purpose. He was very much like when you see the, these hipsters who are, you know, all into their look and you're, you're like, your look is so shabby. What's going on here? But he, that was his look and that's what he was leaning into. And also he was a notorious drunk. The man would drink and drink and drink and drink. Wasn't he also into, I'm going to say drugs, opium? 
Um, maybe. I thought he was pretty heavy into opium. Well, he, like, well, maybe, because at one point he did get stabbed in the belly by this woman with no nose. Hello. Yeah. She had no nose and she stabbed him in the belly and he survived, but they had to take a whole bunch of his insides out and ever, and then he was in a whole bunch of pain. So he could have been, um, self-medicating and see the thing with Rasputin that was interesting is again he was a peasant and he kind of um he kind of went into religion but he wasn't really that religious of a guy but kind of in the way of like you know cult leaders like Jim Jones and stuff how they can they can manipulate religion they're like oh that this is a way that I can get over on people um so I he his he was able to stick around because like I was saying before nobody knew about Alexi and his hemophilia and Alexi always felt better when Rasputin was around and Rasputin he was really good he was one of those guys that was really good at reading a room and he could figure people out and so he probably Rasputin probably figured out that the doctors we're giving Alexi um, aspirin, and aspirin's a blood thinner, so it's probably not a good idea to give a hemophiliac blood thinner when he's sick and maybe bleeding internally. So Rasputin, whenever Rasputin was around, he kind of made sure that nobody gave him aspirin, and that's one of the theories as to why it is legitimate fact that when Rasputin was around, the boy was better and did not die. So, because nobody knew about that, only Rasputin did, and the family, people people wanted to know why Rasputin was always around the family. Um, the Tsar couldn't really say, well, he, right. he's keeping my son alive, and my son's the heir. So it made, it made Nicholas look like he was weak and under the control of Rasputin, and that Rasputin had all of these, you know, secrets on him, which I guess he did have one big secret on him. But they say that the rumor that he and the Tsarina had an affair, that that wasn't true. Um, but he was just a, he was just a dumb guy that just kind of, you know, worked his way in there. And then probably not educated, but, but streetwise. Yeah. And then it got to a point where, um, people had to, if they wanted anything to do with the czar, they had to like, you know, pledge their allegiance and support to Rasputin. And that did that wasn't going over very well in Russia at the time. And Newton wasn't in that cellar getting shot. Well, no, because he was already dead. Oh. They had already they had already plotted to um yeah, and then his death, that that has a whole bunch of mystery behind it, because there's like, oh, he just wouldn't die. Because they bake these cookies with cyanide in it, and they put cyanide in uh all the the vodka and stuff and they invited Rasputin over to a party and they're like here eat some cakes and he didn't want to eat any cakes he just wanted to drink and this guy they said that he drank 12 bottles of wine in every day oh like wow. he could just put it away and down it and down it and so then finally he um he got drunk hungry and so he finally t- took ate some of the cakes and everybody's waiting around watching him. And it's weird, too, because they say that... Because this was, like, in 1915, maybe, 
19, I don't know the exact year, but around then. And the big song was Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> and they're like, this was like the party song that was played as they were trying to like kill Rasputin. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> it's like, I think Rasputin was given Alexei through that opium. No, like maybe. Who who knows? But you know he st- he was staying alive, so the parents were like, "Look, you're keeping my kid alive. You can yeah. stick around." And then, he, but then then like a lot of people would leave and stuff. And then Rasputin got into this beef with this this one go- like Igor kind of something like that. He was like this crazy religious fanatic, and that story is oh, all weird. Yeah. And then. At one point, Rasputin goes and they find like the because you know how like everybody's having a hard time filling cabinet positions and stuff. So in the Rasputin day, he went, he found this guy that was like he had legitimately lost his mind from syphilis. And when he was in the sanatorium, they got him hooked on uh, what did they call it? Like like wake up powder, Ooh. but it was really like it was really cocaine. So they had, they, he had, and this guy ended up being really high up in the, in the Russian government, this syphilic, uh, cokehead. Yeah. So, so, so this guy's like running shit in Russia. Meanwhile, Russia's in the, the first world war and Russians are just dying. Just, I mean, in the first year they lost a million people. So they're just getting slaughtered and everyone's kind of slowly turning on the Romanovs, it's it's been melting. They just weren't seeing feeling the temperature of the people. <laughs> weren't reading the temperature of the room. Yeah, they weren't really reading the room. And then it wasn't helping that Tsar Nicholas has this Rasputin guy and it's all weird and everybody's listening to him. Because they thought he was black magic. Yeah, yeah. People thought that he was black magic and stuff and... Like a lot of it was just rebuke, like he he was just drunk all the time, and yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Was wow. Yeah, it was just crazy, and so oh yeah, so then the poison didn't work, or it it did. He had symptoms of cyanide poisoning, but everybody was kind of waiting around, waiting for him, and he's like, nope. And so I think then they they shoot him in the head, and they go over to see if he's. You know, like, is he dead yet? And he like wakes up, and that freaks him out because he was already embalmed. Yeah, that that like freaked him out, and so then they're like, "All right, well, um, like put him in chains and go dump him in the river." So then they go and they dump him in the river, but they they didn't tie him up right with chains, so his body oh like floated God. to the top, and they're like all freaking out again because the whole point was that they wanted to make him disappear. Like, oh, you know Rasputin, he just disappeared. But they, they like, just botched it on every turn. That They left his shoe, like, on the bank. So everybody was like, oh, no, he's got to be dead. And then when his body turned up, they, you know, they had the, the story of how he just wouldn't die. And he was black magic. But when they did the autopsy, they, were, they said, well, the cyanide didn't kill him. Because I think because of all his, it had something to do with all the sugar that was in his system and yeah from the wine and that and something probably to do with um how his system was once he got stabbed 
like that oh. and that's why like that the cyanide kind of didn't kick in and he didn't have any water in his lungs so he was dead before he was thrown in the river and they were like yeah the huge hole in his head is probably the reason why he was dead before he went in the river so it it was just weird it's lots very, of interesting stuff very interesting story so that's Anastasia. No, she did not survive the execution of her family. No, she did not. So, Erin, what are we doing next week? Oh, Have man. You I think that we are going to do... Drum roll. Drum roll. All right, we're going to go 1982. <gasps> you Peter, were two years old. Peter O'Toole in my favorite year. My goodness, that's a curveball. I know. But it's a movie that I, I've i wanted to see. All right, I've never seen it. I don't know. I mean, I, I recognize the name, but that's all I know about it. So I'm excited, too. Yes. There you have it. All right, listeners. Next week. Next. My favorite year. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.